Hello, hello. This is Tom Arnish of Arnish Models interrupting this great podcast for an annoying ad again. If you need high precision tools, 3D models, decals or resin parts for hyper detailing, and I'm sure you do, then just visit my webshop www.anish.io www.anish.io Low-priced worldwide shipping and even free shipping for many countries available. And believe it or not, all orders above 50 euros qualify for a free decal sheet of your choice. So, hurry up! See you on the interwebs on anish.io Hey modelers, if you want to take your models to the next level of detail and refinement, you should be using Tetra Model Works PE and detailing sets. Whether you are building a 135th T72 or a 1700 aircraft carrier, whether it's a 172nd Hemp or a 148th M10, whether it's a camo net or a USAF aircraft seatbelt, Tetra has the set you need to lift your masterpiece to the next level of fidelity. Check out tetramodel.com now to find out how you can get hold of their superb products. Friends, the show you're about to hear may contain coarse language, progressive attitudes about scale modeling, and in-depth discussion of technique and concept. If this is not your thing, then on your bike. Otherwise, please enjoy today's show while at the bench, on the drive to work, or while enjoying an adult beverage. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 55 of the Sprue Cutters Union, our first episode of 2024. The three of us took quite a break over the Christmas New Year holiday and uh, when we came back to it we realised that we'd all been feeling a bit of a malaise uh, in general about the hobby and so we decided instead of doing a normal episode we'd sit down and just have a chat about what we had going on, how we were feeling about the hobby and where we take it from there. So this episode's a bit different from the usual episode. We don't have our usual format. We don't have an interview, but normal service will resume in episode 56. Anyway, hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening. Anyway, how have you guys been? Meh. Yeah. Yeah, just, just generally. Well, yeah, maybe generally, but certainly hobby related, just doldrums, man. Just, um, yeah. yeah. But it's also the time of the year is really uh, conducive to the doldrums. Um, you know, post post Christmas, post New Year's. Right now here it is very cold and very gray and very rainy. Um, it just makes you not want to do anything. And then, I don't know. 
the the state of the uh, state of the hobby is really not helping things either. Um, just I don't know. Feel like I'm possibly spinning my wheels a little bit, um, but not really. Haven't really figured out what the culprit is. Mm. We all seem to be kind of sharing that particular malaise. Suffice it to say that your answer to what have you been up to, what have you been working on is not a damn thing. Is that right? Is that about right? Well, I mean, I've got, you know, the Panther is essentially finished and mounted to the groundwork. The groundwork is well underway before the Panther was finished. Um, and I say finished in the traditional sense of it has been constructed and painted and weathered. And if that's all I were going to do to it, it would be finished. There are more steps coming to the vehicle itself. But uh, my holdup has been uh, trying to find the right kind of groundwork to replicate a crop, a believable crop. You know, besides corn, you know, like the inevitable corn stalks. Yeah, so. I mean, it's this vehicle was is like on the Austrian Czech border. You know, I'm sure they did grow corn, but I pulled on Alexander Duchamp and looked at Google Maps, and it's just you know, it's it's fields where they grow potatoes and sweet beets and things like that. What time of year? Uh, it'll be probably early to mid-May. Oh. Well, yeah. So, I mean, again, yeah, like that yeah, presents need, a problem. You need, right. You need green. Right. I need green growth. I don't need growth that's too high. And the other thing, which is really uh, kind of interesting, is that the entire time I've been working on this thing, I've had to fight the urge to make it an autumn diorama because it's autumn outside. So, so I'm looking out my window at, at my, my reference for nature and I'm like, Oh yeah, I should add some leaves and maybe I should like darken the ground color up. And I'm like, no moron. It's summer. Like there's a lot of dust. The, the ground is dry. Like you've got greenery, you've got things that are bursting into to flower. And, but to find uh, some sort of groundwork that, that actually replicates green growing crops is has been quite difficult. Um, yeah, I think I nailed it down. It's some awful plasticky shit. But yeah, that's it's it terrible. Um, I got some stuff coming from Joe Fix out of Belgium that I think might work. Uh, should have bought it at SMC. Can't you just? But didn't. Can't you just cut up some plants, Will? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's more of a that's more of a of a ZBrush thing. So you'll need to discuss that with, with David Parker or or uh, or uh, James Rice. James mm. James made some corn for a recent project that he did, and it looked it looked really good. I mean the I mean the mechanics of the corn, the guy, you know, whatever yeah. you want to say about the yeah. color, but the but the plants, the shape of the thing. I mean, he, he you know, I can give him the farm boy seal of approval on uh, mm. on the sculpture part. Yeah, and that's that's interesting because, you know, like my struggle with trying to find this the the an accurate or at least believable sort of crop, um, 
and now you mentioned that, like, okay, is 3D printing crops, plants, things like that going to be a thing? Um, I it, mean, he did it with with corn, you know, and, and he, I thought... He's, he's I was also I working on leaves. a pretty large scale on that, right? Uh, it wasn't huge. Uh, I think it was a 70 or maybe 120 millimeter figure. I don't know. It wasn't huge. But, but I, you know, regardless, uh, you know, scale thickness of, of leaves is going to be your, your thing. And he managed to pull it off. Yeah. So. Yeah. But if you're printing a potato plant, it's more of a sort of a bush and it's got multiple kind of stems, mm-hmm. whereas a corn is a big, thick mm-hmm. stem with leaves coming right. off it. Right. Exactly. Generally. It's a simpler. simpler so, thing. Um, you know, the amount of supports you might need to make something like a potato plant and how fine the stems might be could be the the uh, intersection of possibilities, should we say. Right. It feels like it feels like you're gonna have to do the the Uncle Night Shift thing where you get some some stuff that's kind of the right shape and who cares what color it is because you're gonna paint it. Yeah, color doesn't bother me. Again, it's like it's the fidelity of the the scale um and uh, look i mean we're all just looking for something believable in context yeah because nobody nobody knows what a potato plant looks like in the first place much less at 135th scale i certainly (laughs) had to google it i had to google all those things but um so there yeah the the panthers kind of stalled out waiting on that delivery and i've I've had a really, you know, I mean, this is, this dates back to the last conversation we had before Christmas, like not knowing what to do with the figures. I think I've come full circle and explored a lot of different options, uh, you know, kind of in my head about what I want the story to be and the possibility of what that story could be based on figures that are available. And I've just come back full circle and I'm like, okay, well, fuck it. I'm, I'm going to do exactly what I wanted to do in the beginning. I'm going to have to convert and sculpt some figures, which is a little bit of a, um, uh, you, can, you know, a little daunting, but, um, uh, I can, if I fuck it up, I just start over and, and do it again. Um, and the same, the same sort of mentality is applied to the scimitar right now. I've, I've pulled that back off while I'm waiting on stuff for the Panther. Scimitar is done. Um, I just need the groundwork and the figures. And um, so over over the last uh, few months of doldrums, I've taken these cheap, shitty little paintbrushes that you get at you know your your local hardware store for fifty cents a piece, and I've made a uh, uh, a watered down PVA mixture. And I just put the PVA, like apply the PVA straight out of the this the Elmer's bottle onto the bristles and then come back the next day and cut the bristles off. And I've got, you know, I, I don't have a hand. I, you do end up with a lot of loose bristles, but what you end up with are, are uh, clump and they're not even clumps. You know, they're 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 almost like uh, rows of bristles that are glued together at the base down at the bottom. And so it, it's great fun, right? You just put on, you know, I'm rewatching The Walk, Walking Dead right now. So I put that on and like, you know, cut these things off and then apply the glue again. And, you know, I've got probably a half a dozen paintbrushes. And um, so you go through a, a scenario like that, just like dicking around at the bench for an hour or so, come back the next day, do it all again. Um, so 
last night, you know, I've, I've actually did the base surround and and painted the base work and everything and started to apply the tall grass, only to realize that my tall grass is very fucking tall. Like, <laughs> uh, like shoulder and, height. Uh, yeah. In, in Chris terms, it's, it's probably two meters tall. <laughs> in, in American height, that is the height of a, a full-grown man. Um, so I can I just uh, interject here and say the English measure height in feet. Okay, just to be confusing, we measure everything else in centimeters. Okay, but height and weight and drinks we measure it in imperial. All right, so it's it's so six foot roughly. Yeah, yeah. you're looking at roughly six foot tall grass. Um, yeah. And I applied, you know, uh, a, a fairly good sized clump, probably a, a half an inch by two inches. Um, using the AK, I tried several different things, um, super glue and, and diluted PVA glue, PVA glue. But what I ended up finding that worked pretty well was taking a bunch of these clumps, holding them in my hand together, taking a little spatula and using the AK paste, the groundwork paste, and applying it to the base and then putting it down on the base work that I have done. And then it it holds, it holds very well. And if it starts to lean, you can adjust a little bit. Um, and I came back this morning and, and that shit is, is stuck to the base using nothing but the AK, uh, modeling paste. So now I get to trim all this fucking grass and I'm going to have to do some re-gluing and blah, blah, blah. So the, the bench is frustrating right now. It's just like everything, one step forward, two steps back. Um, and other than that, like around right around the first of the year, I had to fight myself from starting a new project, um, just because I, I wanted to glue plastic together, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah. but I'm not letting myself do that. I'm, I'm pushing these two things forward, and then and then moving on to something new after that. I wonder what the German word is for for two steps forward, one step back, you know, there's gotta be one. Yeah. I mean, Schadenfreude comes to mind, but that's, <laughs> but I, not exactly I thought that, it. yeah, I thought that means, uh, you know, uh, taking humor in somebody Enjoying else's mis- misfortune. You're yeah. right. <laughs> yes. So, so people in listener land can, can, uh, enjoy a little Schadenfreude, uh, because of my situation. Nick Verstappen front and Facebook. <laughs> that's where I go for Marshall and Freud. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a whole topic unto itself. Yep, yep. I I just wanted to say it's interesting because I think we're going to get onto this and maybe a bit later once we've we've been around the horn. But um, the dissatisfaction you've got or the sort of uh, disaffection you've got with the hobby isn't affecting your own bench. If you see what I mean, you're still managing to make models, which is great because. Quite often the two can bleed into each other, so the fact you're still working on it is is really good. I'm really enjoying the progress. I mean, I've got challenges. I've set challenges for myself with these two projects, and I'm enjoying working on those challenges. Even though, you know, like the grass stuff. Like I've been working on the getting that grass together for for a couple of weeks, and it's just like, uh, what happened to measure twice and cut once, you dumbass. Like I would hold it up against the vehicle and the base work and everything. And it all seemed fine until I glued it down. And then 
after gluing it down and like standing up and walking away from it and then coming back and looking at it, I was like, man, that's really fucking tall. And then I got a 135th scale figure out and put it next to it. And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> like, this is, it's just not. But it's a fixable thing. At least it's not too short. That would be a big That'd problem. be worse. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> but it's still going to involve, because essentially in order to shorten all this stuff, I've got to go back and reapply glue a half an inch above where I did. You see what I mean? Like, I've got to basically re-glue all of these things and then trim the bottom off and then put them back down. Oh, okay. I thought you just trimmed the tops off. It looked like shit. Like, the tops are the... It'd be the wrong shape, would it? Yeah. I mean, and we've all seen people who use paint bristles for tall grass, and it's like they took their, their wife's scissors and cut, and it's, there's no taper to the grass. It's just a, a cut. Oh, I, yeah, okay. I understand the problem now. Yeah, if you just if you just give it a haircut, you're going to chop off all the really thin, pointy ends. Right. It's got to it's got to have a natural taper to, in order yeah. to look like grass, which is why so many <laughs> times whenever you see it on a diorama, it looks like what it is, which is a fucking what, chop. What about what about what about giving it a haircut and then planting a bunch of new taller grass in there so that you kind of have cuz one thing it seems to me like is a lot of a lot of people, and I'd be guilty of this, is you just get tired of planting tiny, tiny blades of grass, and it's just not dense enough. Well, the other problem with the paintbrush thing, they do it all the same height. Yes. Yeah. So, but, so what I'm, but I've also cut at not all the same height yeah, from yeah. the base. I mean, there, yeah, there, there is some variegation in the height, but it's of a similar height. It. I will say that. Yeah. Aside from the height, it looks very natural because what I've done is it, it, I'll, I'll send you guys a photo of it. It's a very dense clump, probably a half an inch by two inches. Like it's not, you cannot see where the grass is glued to the ground. It is a very dense clump of grass, um, which again, that, that, that AK stuff is great because you put it down and then you can start sneaking in a few more uh, tufts of grass on, on, into the, the muck at the bottom <coughs> up against the mass that you've already built up. It's, it's a little difficult to explain, but the only real solution, <coughs> excuse me, is to, is to glue, apply glue about a half an inch higher than I have it right now. Let it set and then trim, which it's fine, whatever it is, you know, I, again, it's, I can do it watching television. It's not a big deal. It's just, it's just a little bit frustrating because I had multiple opportunities to see that, and I didn't. <laughs> yep. What about you, Will? I well, um, I uh, let's see. Um, oh gosh, it's been a while. Um, what what did I do? Let's see. Um, I don't know. I guess. Let's see, like going all the way back to, to Thanksgiving, I was really lucky because actually it was before that probably even had a show since then. Anyway, the, the great and powerful James Rice came to my house. It's been too long, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> trying to remember and, and things what happened since we last fucking and, did this. And things have been, things have been a, a bit cloudy, a bit foggy um, over the last six or eight weeks. So who knows? But I, I, th I think I ever even said on the last one that 
that Jim had come to my house, which was really cool. I mean, you know, I live out in the middle of nowhere and nobody comes to visit me mm-hmm. and that's, that's okay. I can, you know, I can, I'm okay with that, but it's always nice when your buddies come over, especially when they come all the way from Louisiana. And so he and I spent a couple of really fun days together, just doing, you know, just geeking out on, on figure painting and digital modeling. He, he uses ZBrush and he, you know, we traded ideas between ZBrush and Fusion 360 and he showed me some really cool stuff in, in ZBrush that made me think if I'm ever going to go down that road, <laughs> yeah, because of what I know about Blender, I will consider the $700 price tag for ZBrush to be a bargain because he, he did some stuff that he just made it look way too easy. Of course, he does with everything. He's he's kind of an alien like that. So that was fun. And then... um after that, I got back into working uh, on the Tiny Sherman and um, like with a dedication to get it done by the end of the year, because that thing just would have been languishing since literally a year ago. And I finished it, finished the Tiny Sherman. And um, it was not without <laughs> some drama. You know, the the Tamiya engineering is... is it, was is always is always good at, at a minimum it's never terrible um and i would say on this little thing it's maybe even great but but uh, you know 148 scale i will never do that again for the same reason that i've decided that with airplanes that i'm just not going to do anything small anymore because it, 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 i still want to do all the same dumb shit that i always want to do it's just smaller and harder and takes longer and is less fun and less rewarding and, uh, and so, and the tracks were the issue with this thing, uh, because it's got link and length tracks, I think is what you armor guys call it. Yep. And, you know, and, and, and so my whole strategy as, you know, put forth by some armor modelers who actually know what they're doing was to put all the running gear on the tank and glue it in place and then put the track together in one long flat stretch and then wrap it around the running gear while the glue was still soft and let it set up and then pop it off of there. And that way they'd have the correct shape and all the things and you go and paint all the stuff separately. And then you bring it all back together at the right time, (laughs) which sounds great. Um, and I can already see where you had the problems, but carry on. Well, it, 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 it's, it's great in a world where there's no tolerance creep because, cause that's what it boils down to is you're taking like, you know, eight inches of, of, of a, of a ribbon that's made up of, you know, five or six pieces and trying to wrap it around these other things that may or may not be in the exact right spot. Because even with Tamiya Fit, you know, tolerances are a thing. And there may be a little wiggle here and there. And and I, you know, and 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 these particular tracks don't have a lot of meat to them. You know, for the Sherman nerds out there, these are the T66 style track. And it just doesn't have a lot of meat. It's real thin. And, and the joints between the parts that you have to attach to each other are very minimal. Like it's not a pin or anything. It's just kind of a little, you know, a tab and a, and a slot kind of thing. Anyway, 
So I don't know how I could have done a lot better, honestly. But when it came time to do the bringing it all back together part, <laughs> and, and like a one millimeter gap at the you know at the at the point that was supposed to join together, and that turned into a giant hassle because because and, and part of it was because like the uh, the drive sprocket teeth just you know even a little too big and the and the the holes in the track don't fully seat on there and at that point I also had a bunch of paint on it because I you know painted them anyway so I had to do some farm boy engineering on one side to get the two ends to meet where they were supposed to and it involved a contraption of toothpicks and wires and <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that again. So <laughs> I said, I said, the mechanical engineer half of me said, hold my beer. And uh, I <laughs> actually went through a kind of a rewarding exercise of engineering a little C-clamp kind of a device that I 3D printed that I could put onto the wheel that would push on the track. And I got it mostly, you know, it's not, it's not the best, but with a little extra mud, <laughs> it you know it's at least uh, like you don't at least look at it and go, bro, how come you couldn't get the tracks to join together? And uh, so that was honestly the only part of the whole thing that really was was any drama. And I'm honestly pretty stoked about the way it looks. You know, I, I, I was I did a lot of, of micro engineering with all the little detail bits and 3D printing and and uh, and I went, you know, with all the layers on the weathering and the dirt, and I got a lot of guidance from the great and powerful Spud Murphy. And uh, I like the way it looks, but nobody gives a shit. <laughs> It it went virtually completely unnoticed, which I guess is fitting since I, you know, had so little love for it that I could barely keep the project moving for a year or so. I mean, anyway. You got a little it's, rumble it's in the, the Sherman group. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it. it I thought that somebody was at least going to be mad about, uh, you know, like I draped a chain on it uh, because, you know, chains are cool. And as a farm boy, I know that, you know, dudes are going to use chains um, when you don't want to deal with getting that big, thick, one-inch stiff tow cable off of there just to pull a tree out of the way. You're going to grab a chain, bro. And, um, you know, when I first showed that I was going to use a chain, there were all these protests. Well, no tank ever in the ETO in World War II would have ever had a chain, you know whatever, dude, you know how I am about that. So then I immediately was like, Oh, I'm definitely going to have a chain. <laughs> More chains. <laughs> More chains. Five chains. Six More chains. chains. <laughs> I'm going to drape the whole thing with chains, but you know, I mean, it, it chain looks cool. And, and so I, you know, designed some hooks and 3d printed the hooks. And anyway, nobody was even mad about the chain. Nobody was, you know, when I first posed the thing, everybody thought that the steel, uh, spaced armor was was wooden planks. So I went back to work to really sell the fact that it was rusty steel channel and 
Not a single person was like, nice wooden plank armor, bro. <laughs> like, well, I guess I did that. Maybe you successfully sold it. I don't know, but but I just, you know, <laughs> it, it seemed like it just fell with a resounding, th- you know, thud. Uh, dead cat bounce, as they, as they say. But it's done. It's cool. And, um, and now I'm going to do, I, I, I got sucked into some very effective marketing uh, by Big Child Creatives. They do like amazing uh, sculpts for busts mostly. I think they're a Spanish company. And they do a lot of this, you know, superhero, you know, type warrior type stuff, science fiction, you know, nonsense. But right before Christmas, they sent out an email uh, that said, hey, you know, if you buy this package, you get this bust and you get some of the special fluorescent inks that go with it and you get some cool brushes and you get to download the video on how to paint it. And I thought, you know what? That's a really cool exercise. And it's a sci-fi chick with a big fucking gun. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. And my whole mission is going to be to just do exactly what the video says. Like, don't get cute, Pattison. Don't try to do your own thing. You know, just follow the fucking directions and just see if I can do it. And so uh, I'm kind of, I've been fighting off the crud, so I haven't started, but that's my, yeah, it's my next thing. So that's it. All right. So, uh, mine's quite long, so I'm going to insert. Yeah, that too you've long, didn't you, read here. Yeah, you've had some, and then I'll give you the timestamp of when I finish. <laughs> you've had some. You've <laughs> yeah, had the, some stuff. The too long didn't read version. I closed my business. Uh, I uh, started learning Fusion 360, and I painted a Tom Waits bust. There's the there's the too long didn't read version. If you <laughs> want to know the details, keep listening. Yeah, otherwise there's come more. Timestamp X. There's definitely more. All right, so. First things first, uh, I finished the book, putting together the book for the big diorama that I took to SMC, and I started taking pre-orders. And I noticed that like every other book I've had recently, I wasn't getting any orders at all from Europe, and orders from America were really down as well. And I just thought, you know what, it's been like this for months, absolutely months. Uh, Since Brexit, my European business literally died. I think I've had two orders from Europe this year. Whereas I used to get more orders from there than anywhere else. In fact, more orders from there than the rest of the world combined, including the UK. Uh, and th- that business just hasn't come back since Brexit. So um, I did try for a long time to develop the US business and the Asia business to replace it by like working on more America subjects like the F4 decals and stuff like that, trying to attract some attention and working with uh, American modelers and stuff to try and get it promoted. And it just wasn't having any effect. I think because USPS put up the rates that they charge Royal Mail to deliver their mail by a huge amount. And basically, it was costing £24 to ship a book that cost £24 to the US. So you're having to pay 100% shipping on top of your book, which was just, you know, and at times like this, people just couldn't afford it. Ebooks never took off, never really sold much of, of anything. And I just thought, you know, there's only so long you can keep going with something before you have to admit that it's just not working. You know, you have to e- throw the towel in. So that's e-books, what I did. Ebooks are such a weird thing, man. I, and I don't, I don't, it doesn't make any sense because it's such a convenient format. And if you've got an iPad, you know, it's easy to look at. And I've bought three or four of them that I was really excited about. And I haven't read a fucking one of them. 
I don't know what what is it about that format that makes it so. I've bought some. I've looked at them once when the download came through, and then never looked at them mm-hmm. again. Yeah. Whereas I, I mean, I've bought actual books where I've done that as well. Yeah. But this week I've picked up six or seven books that I bought a long time ago because I it was a subject I was really interested in. I didn't really look at them at the time, but now I've gone back and had a really good look at them to pull out information and stuff. And I've never done that with an ebook, partly because I never really think about where it is. I forget I even bought it. You know, yeah, uh, maybe that's part of. I don't know what it is. I thought ebooks, because of the fact there's no shipping, would be really popular. But I mean, they must work for uh, Kevin Futter because he he's got Kelpie Publishing and he seems to do well at it. But put it like this: they don't actually take enough to pay the author, mm-hmm. let alone me for my time in laying yeah. it out. So you know. I mean, you're talking three figures. I mean, the, I think one of model. the only ebooks that I have is from Kevin's uh, collection, yeah. and I, I don't ever look at it. If it were on the shelf, I'd probably look at it more. But I'm also, it also depends because you're, I, and we talked about this kind of on the side. There are certain types of books that get a little more love in terms of pulling them off the shelf than others, right? Like. I feel like reference books, you pull off more often, you know, and take a look at them. Um, Modeling books, how-to books and things like that. Like I'm I'm going through my collection now and I'm like, okay, I'm going to get rid of this. I'm going to get rid of this. Like, um, but I think, I think eBooks were primarily designed for people who read a lot. And, yeah, know, that's what, that's what I was gonna say. I don't mind reading a textbook, right, know, like or a, or a novel, on a, right, right, a novel on an iPad. But, yeah, but but as soon as it starts to be like more about looking at the pictures, I just can't get excited about it. I don't. I mean, I think the the appeal to ebooks for people who read novels is that they read a lot of novels, and if they actually, yeah. you know, there's cost, but there's also like, where do you fucking put all these books mm-hmm. that you read? Um, you know, people who aren't who are interested in reading them but not owning them, you know, I think it's it's good for that. Although that's not me. I mean, like even novel, even nonfiction and and uh, and fiction, I still buy the book and read it. I mean, Jake, our our friend Jake McKee, who uh, you should go back and listen to that episode again, guys, that we did last year with Jake and Max. It's I think one of the best ones we've ever done. Uh, but he loves an ebook, and every time I mention the fact ebooks don't sell, he tells me about how much he likes ebooks. <laughs> and it's like, well, if Jake was buying all my ebooks a hundred times, I'd be fine. But Jake is not usual. Jake is unusual in that regard. Oh, he's not, definitely not many unusual. People buy them. Um, <laughs> there is a market for them, but it's just not big enough to actually pay to make them. Which has led me this week uh, on my blog to talk about uh, modelphilosopher.com, free advert for me because it's it's our podcast. <laughs> uh like the the death of the hobby and i I put the death of mod uh, the death of the hobby kinda because i wanted to do clickbait it's not the death of the hobby (laughs) but certain parts of the hobby are endangered and one of them is books and people say well i can get what i want off the internet the thing is what you can get off the internet versus a very well-made book are not the same thing you can it's like getting uh, a big mac instead of a steak you know they've both got beef in them um, <laughs> legally apparently they both got beef in them um yeah, beef but uh quotes. you know a curated well-presented book is a different thing to what you get on the internet and it, it, like you said tracy for reference i mean this week 
I don't want to get into talking about 3D yet, but <laughs> this week I've been trying to draw French pre-dreadnoughts in Fusion. And I have a bunch of books on French pre-dreadnoughts that are amazing French books. You cannot find that information anywhere on the internet. Trust me, because I looked like fuck before I bought the books. Uh, it's just not there. Even even when you're doing lots of searches in French and searching French sites, you know, and trying to get niche, because sometimes, like when you're looking for Japanese tank information, it helps to type it in in, in uh, Kana or Kanji into the, the browser to bring up results that English Google won't find, basically. But even typing in French, you're not going to find plans of the ship Redoubtable. Whereas uh, Mark Sabrakan's 1994 book, I think it was, um, about Redoubtable and Devastation, has got lots of plans in it. And I managed to find that eventually on the internet, uh, thanks to, uh, I should say, to uh, Darren Thompson for helping me track that down and get it as well, because he works over there and he managed to get it shipped to him in Europe and then bring it back for me. But um, that information just isn't there whereas it is available in a book. And if people don't buy books, one day there won't be books. Mm. Because if, the, you know, you need to pay people to make them because otherwise they make a loss. And who, I know a lot of people think everything, knowledge should be free in this hobby. In fact, I even saw something on uh, Instagram this week, someone saying, how could people charge for tutorials? Well, because it's their fucking time. Exactly. <laughs> if you expect everything for free, you're requiring <laughs> someone to donate what they've got to you. You're, you're asking someone to give you a gift. You should be asking that. You yeah, should be respecting that. That's just, that's just so entitled. But, you know, yeah, I think your point was well taken. Uh, it was a good piece. I did actually read that one, by the way. And I, I thought your point was well taken. But I also think that this is kind of just one of the later chapters in the decline of publishing in general that started a decade ago or more, don't you think? Yeah, but it's it was proceeding at a certain steady rate for a long time. And the last couple, the last year, it's just fallen off a cliff, mm. but I'm not sure I'd be saying that if I was based in Europe, I think Brexit has more to do with it than anything for me. Yeah. Although I also heard that AK are drastically reducing how many books they produce. But like we said, they do uh, how to books. And I think as we said elsewhere, I think you might've said elsewhere, Tracy, um, how-to books is a very oversaturated market and it's all very similar stuff and i think also no offense to ak because uh ammo do it and a lot of other people do it too a lot of ak's books i think are brilliant in fact one of the few modeling how-to books that i come back to again and again and again two of them are Maren van gill's diorama book for ak and kirill konev's uh figure painting book for ak i go back to those time and time again but a lot of their books and a lot of books by paint manufacturers and stuff are catalogs for paints mm -hmm. and they don't really offer much beyond that you know certainly nothing that's that different to anything you can get anywhere yeah. else so and a lot of books i did were how-to books so maybe that's my fault for sticking with how-to books but you know you work with what you got and that's what i had so it's strange anyway because so, yeah. i mean I, the marin's book is the one that i i think is probably as far as a hobby publication is probably the best book I have on my shelf um, in, in terms of like what it, the contents are essential reading and you see it time and time again on, you know, on modeling sites where like people just, they don't understand composition. They don't understand how like the eye travels and like the do's and don'ts of things that are all laid out in that book. So like it's, it's as close to a honest to God like a central reading slash textbook um, hobby publication that I think I have. 
but the rest of them are just, you know, they're just photo books. You know, it, it's a, it's an expanded mm-hmm. magazine. Um, and some of these books, you know, I, I bought them for, like I bought one for Marin's, uh, the Japanese air, uh, aircraft carrier diorama. And if you take that entire book, if you take the text from that entire book and condense it, it wouldn't even amount to a page of text. Like all it is is photos. And it's like, okay, well, that's not really what I want from the book. Like I wanted a little more exposition, a little more, you know, well, a little bit more information. You don't get it. It's ironic because I've said before time and time again on this podcast that modeling is a visual medium and that photos are as important, if not more important than a book, than the text. And actually I'm wrong because the books that stick with you, I mean, what works, what's so important in Moren's book, the photos are there to illustrate the text. The text isn't there to fluff the photos. It's a conceptual book. It, you know, it's a, it's a, it, the book it reminds me most of is John Burgess ways of seeing, which is about, uh, sort of visual language and how to interpret visual language and it's the same because he's using the visual language of a diorama and you need to read it to get most out of it you can't flip through it looking at the photos and understand what he's saying with that book so it's the text that's the most important part of that book well i think i think i, I don't know that that's entirely true because it, I, I feel like the photos are important because it is a visual medium but i think what's missing and I, again, I don't know if there's a, a way to to instill this into publications, or if it's a waste of time, or or if it just wouldn't work. I mean, all all of the hobby publications, whether they're magazines or or glorified magazines, uh, photo books, and things like that, that, you know, they'll walk you through the steps. I painted. I primed. I applied. You know, it's just it's the same over and over again. But what would be more interesting is just to do an entire fucking article on this is how I weathered the wheels of this vehicle and take, t- try to take a photograph every time you, you do something different with the paintbrush in your hands mm-hmm. and, and give me five or six pages of that. And that's when I'm going to learn something about what somebody can do with the paintbrush versus here's the painted wheels. Here's the weathered wheels. I use these things to weather it. Like show me the decisions you make. Show me the decisions where you're like, I speckled here, but some of the speckling seemed a little strong. So after I dried that off of the hairdryer, I go back with like a real light wash to kind of knock this back in this area. And like, those are the things I want to know. I want the cerebral like decision-making parts of, of why you're doing things. And that's just not going to happen, I don't think. Well, the odds are I just... Say, are though, not- if it was just the type of book, I would have changed the type of book I was doing. But I spoke to... Wanting to sort of increase things in America, I spoke to Sprue Brothers, Squadron, and Stevens International, the three biggest distributors in the US. And they all told me that they're not going to continue with books. That books just don't sell. And they're not interested in modeling books anymore. Yeah. I think that the odds are just never in our favor because... I don't know. I believe what it really comes down to is that we want people to to teach us in the way that we want to learn. And and mm. and and we want to hear about the parts of it. Like Tracy was just talking about the decisions. Why did you do this versus why did you do yeah. that? 
because that's how he thinks about it when he's doing the work. I'm the same way. Mm. I couldn't, I couldn't care less about the litany of what you used and what order you used it in. Cause I know all, I, I mean, I can figure yeah. that out for myself. Right. And, and, and the unfortunate reality is that people who write these kind of things are much more likely to write that because that's more like more people approach it that way. I mean, you know, the, the reality is that there's not a lot or the percentage of model makers that are looking at it in the way that Tracy does composition, color, all of those things is a vanishingly small fraction. And I think we'd all agree. It's hard to make your money on that. Now, also, I think my uh, my blog actually wasn't as it was one of those I dashed off and pit published before instead of leaving it for a while, go back and reading it because it was very flawed in one aspect, which was that I made the classic mistake. And I apologized particularly to Chris Pabs and uh, Julio Ponte and to Brian Denklau for this one. Uh, I made the mistake of looking at the hobby through the lens of traditional in, in quote marks scale modeling so when i wrote the article i was really talking about aircraft modeling armor modeling and ship modeling um and the things i said about the hobby related to them and of course it's not true of things like uh gunpla warhammer and sci-fi modeling which are on a very different trajectory in terms of how many people are doing it the average age and everything else and figure painting as we saw tracy at smc so even though figure painters told us there that figure painters are aging, there's still figure painters there under 20, which mm. you don't see a lot of scale modelers at shows under 20, that's for sure. So, and also I would made the classic mistake that I'm always accusing Americans of. So I apologize to all of America now <laughs> of viewing it through the lens of the UK. And a lot of what I was saying was my own experience, whereas things are different in different countries, in different regions, and um, a Thai friend told me that actually in Thailand, the hobby, there's a lot of young people coming into the hobby. And I think in Asia, that's true because there's a lot more uh, people with spare money than there used to be of a certain age and a, a sort of a burgeoning middle class, which is able to get into hobbies and spend money on, on luxuries and stuff like that. And more people doing it, more people getting into it and also more domestic producers that are encouraging it and everything else. So, yeah. When you read it, bear in mind, I live in the UK. I'm an old man and I do ship. (laughs) (laughs) There's like a billion exceptions to what I'm talking about. So apologies for that. Hi, I'm Scott, the creator and owner of the Scale Modeler Supply, Australia's largest manufacturer of hobby paints. Our premium airbrush-ready acrylic lacquer paints are designed specifically for use on plastics with a comprehensive range covering all popular modelling subjects including military, aircraft, rail, auto, sci-fi and more. And not only that, but we also have a wide selection of essential hobby tools and now, Infinite Colour, our new range of water-based paints for miniatures. So to check out our range and to find your closest retailer, please visit our website at scalemodeler.com.au. So when quality matters choose sms paints hi everyone it's chris here at inside the armor publications and i'm afraid i'm here with some bad news 
Inside the Armour Publications is closing. Trading conditions, in particular Brexit, have made it almost impossible for me to continue publishing books. Therefore, all future books are now cancelled, and all current books are available heavily discounted at InsideTheArmour.com. These discounts were already applied, but on top of that, there's an end of ITA further discount of 50% on the price shown on the website. So head on over to InsideTheArmour.com and enter the code ENDOFITA, that's E-N-D-O-F-I-T-A, at checkout to get huge discounts on all our books while stocks last. Thanks everyone that supported ITA over the years. It's been a wild ride, but don't worry, a new version of ITA is coming soon. Until then, thanks for buying the books. I really do appreciate everyone's support. Well, you bring up a good point, though, that I think that I think is is relevant. I, I look, I think that overall, that as a society, our attention span is is shrinking. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the inter- thank you internet for yet for for yet another thing. But and I, you know, hope I don't sound like you know a cranky old man right now. But this is especially true with younger people. I mean, have either of you ever looked at TikTok? Like actually tried to look at yeah, it. Yeah, I have actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's baffling to me. Like some of the some of it is is hilarious. I, you know, I get a good laugh out of some of this stuff. But you know, when everything is in fifteen second bites, and I'm like just getting to the point at the at the fifteen second mark where I'm like, oh, this is something I'm interested in, and then it changes. And you know, that's a thing. And who knows where that's going to take us, but. I think it's certainly going to take us further and further away from long form written materials. Without getting too far off the subject of modeling, I think it's a bit of a misnomer though, that we're breeding a generation of people with short attention spans because the people I find most susceptible to these things are actually older people that weren't raised with media, which is as quick, 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 quick. So they're, kids are born into it they're digital natives they understand it and they handle it in different ways so my son watches a lot of youtube videos but he'll also sit down and read a book for three hours and he's not unusual he's got friends like that whereas a lot of people that weren't raised in it don't have the same defenses to it don't have the same sort of you know good mental point. tools with it and are quickly sucked into it mm-hmm. yeah so you know it's not like us gen Xers. i think we're all gen x it's not like us gen Xers are, are uniquely immune to it because i get i mean i you I, some people know i had a facebook break last week of like four days part of the reason i did it was i was so addicted to it i was constantly looking at it you know and like a teenager <laughs> like people say teenagers do that was me so i turned it off for four days just to try and break the cycle a bit basically dopamine's a hell of a drug yeah it is yeah yeah i mean I, yeah. How, how many times i pull out my phone just like entertain me entertain me yeah, entertainment doesn't have to be like good entertainment. It can be controversy, you know. Like, yeah. I can, I'll, I'll certainly troll a, a few of our favorite uh, hobby sites just to see like what kind of dumb shittery is going on. And yeah, I don't yeah. Know. guilty like modeling doom scrolling. Guilty, it? guilty, and 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 you know, like for me, I confess that. The last, you know, month or so, I mean, I've got some stuff going on in my personal life that's pretty heavy. 
And I don't feel the need to spread that out all over Facebook and, you know, and, and talk to all my friends about it. You know, it is what it is. But I'm a firm believer that you got to have some place to let your monsters off the leash. And, you know, for me, that's it ends up being Facebook because it is just so full of opportunities. It just, just like Tracy's <laughs> talking about, you know, some dipshit hops on it's there. It's a target rich environment. It is yeah. a target rich environment. And, and, you know, and here's part of the problem. Okay. Another confession is, you know, when I see some idiot say, well, that's just way over weathered. No crew chief would ever allow that. Not only am I just immediately like, Oh, this is going to be good fun. I'm like a cat with a new toy. I also feel like it is important to balance that with, you know, my sense of whatever you want to call it, right and wrong, justice, the need for the truth, whatever it is, kicks in. And I'm like, okay, somebody needs to refute this nonsense. We have to keep, you know, like, like, like in order to keep, in order to keep the universe in, in order, there has to be somebody who says no this is nonsense. And, and, and it's, uh, I, I find that that is something that I struggle with more than anything. It's a, it's a compulsion. I am compulsive as fuck. And I'm like, I must say this now. And I can't like stop myself. And it's a little disturbing. But also, you know, people are uh, the, when you think about like, Oh, the hobby is dying. You think about, purchasing trends and things like that and like blah 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 sometimes i look at the shit that people post in hobby forums and i'm like well the hobbyists are what's killing the fucking hobby (laughs) like they're just like there's so much dumb shit just dumb like like why can't i use this acrylic thinner with this lacquer paint it keeps turning to goop and it's just like you get you get what you deserve, man. Like the, the fact that, that anybody you... would come to your rescue and, and point out the fact that those two things are, are incompatible as hell. It, you should buy a lottery ticket. That's how lucky you are. But my frustration with that person, cause I, you know, I, I actually have a little bit of, of, of compassion there, believe it or not, because there is so much misinformation out there. And you know, regardless of whether it, it's entitlement or laziness or whatever that keeps this person from going and finding the answers, they're still just trying to get help. And it's the comments where my monsters start straining at the leash because there's just... They say there's no stupid questions, only stupid answers. There are a lot of fucking stupid answers. Oh, there's a lot of stupid questions. That's that's nonsense, too. There's plenty of stupid questions, but the stupid answers far outweigh the number of stupid questions. And that's where I'm like, okay, this is going to be fun for me. And then I end up getting banned. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about you, though, but I've just got sick of trying to fight the torrent of bullshit. Ugh. I'm, yeah. I've got to the point where I've just run out of fucks to deal with this constant stream of misinformation, half true crap that people have learned off the internet. You know, and it's just I got. To, I always think of it like tilting at windmills. We're basically donkey Oh, around it is very quixotic. Yeah. yeah, there's always a lot more fucking dragons, and I just I'm tired of it. That's part of my malaise at the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm just tired of of 
trying to reverse the bullshit. There's just so much. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that's probably part of mine too. It's just like just the internet has worn me down. The the yep. the, the concentration yeah. of absolute stupidity in in the hobby and on hobby related sites is just like it's trying to to, to sweep leaves on a windy day. Like <laughs> that's you a just, good analogy. You can't win. <laughs> You can't win. I used to think it was unknowing ignorance, and now I think it's it's enthusiastic ignorance. They want to be ignorant. It's it's wearing it's just, all our listeners going fuck this guy, switch it off. <laughs> it's it's wearing on me too. I mean, I've been doing this social media hobby thing for literally almost thirty years. Like, I don't. Did you guys ever do news groups? Like, did, does your does your no. interneting go back that far? Yeah. For those that we didn't have the internet in the UK back then. For those that don't know, the the <laughs> first the first form of social media back in the day, back when we were walking uphill to school every day in the snow, you had these things. You had this thing called Usenet, and it was bulletin boards, and and there were you know it was divided up by topics. So you'd have you know you'd have you'd have uh, like groups for for politics and and economics and recreation and then under recreation you'd have all your hobbies and so like i was participating in a group called rec.motorcycles.dirt and it was called a bulletin board because somebody would go would go into that web address and type a thing what kind of chain lube should i use and and people would answer and it's literally all this green text on your monochrome you know gateway 486 monitor and no pictures you know and and the thing that strikes me is that here we are almost 30 years later and nothing's changed absolutely nothing's changed dipshits are still a little minor addendum there I love the fact the IPMS is in the USA is losing their shit over social media when social media is 30 <laughs> years old. It's like they've just cottoned onto what it is. Brilliant. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a whole other thing. And I mean, it's, and it's just like all of this, all of these things that I see in social media, because, you know, for the last few weeks, I kind of decided to get around a little bit. Like I, I joined a couple of photography groups and, um, and you know, I've, st- I've got my, my motorcycle racing groups and the dumb fuckery is the same everywhere. Still same as it's always been. It, it's just like, if anything, there's just a greater variety of it because of the social issues that are at hand, you know, like, you know, we've talked about like the whole, the whole, uh, misogyny thing here quite a bit. You know, a guy can't, a female photographer can't post a photo in a photography group that features an attractive female person without it turning into this dumpster fire of that's exploitative and that's misogyny. And it's like, it's a female photographer, dude. (laughs) And, and, And it's all driven by all of these social issues and it's fueled by dishonest argumentation and poor reading comprehension and i am it is just wearing me out like honestly this is turning into like i'm starting to feel pretty pessimistic about the future of the human race yeah (laughs) because of fucking because of fucking (laughs) facebook how fucked up is that you know it's 
it's not good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's gotten to the point where I'm like, am I better off just, like, letting this hobby go back to what it was, which is just a reclusive, you know, one-man hobby? Like, am I am I better off just, like, turning the computer off and, and not interacting with humanity except, you know, to, to take models to a show or something? It's, yeah, it's... But it's also in real life, you know, like we, yeah, yeah. like, but the thing is you don't see it in real life nearly as much. Like, uh, I mean, you need to work in retail. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you're going to see it, you know, sure. You're going to see some of it. You're going to see bumper stickers and you're going to see, you know, different things or whatever. But I think the thing that social media causes is it, it, it makes us believe that we can see how people think. Right. And that's, that's more difficult when you're in person. And what we, we have, I mean, I think we all fall into the trap of, of extrapolating. If this guy says something dumb about what a crew chief would or would not do, that tells me that the quality of his thinking is poor everywhere else. This guy's a complete fucking moron. And you see it because, you know, you'll argue back, well, not really. And the next thing you know, some guy's like, oh, you must be a libtard. Yeah. Brilliant comeback. Like, We're, but, but, f- full, but of, full of refuting the original argument it is. But you get my point, right? Like what we're doing. Oh, it's my favorite comeback. Because it lets me calibrate the conversation. Exactly. But we're, we're all doing it to one degree or another. It's a new kind of racism. I don't know about racism. It's it's a new kind of prejudice. Yeah. Is maybe a better whatever word? you bigotry. Okay, bigotry. It's a new kind of bigotry, and I think that we're doing it on a subconscious level because we're we're dividing and subdividing our internet friends. I mean, think about all the times you block somebody or they block you because you just don't see eye to eye on this one particular topic, right? And where's that going to take us? <laughs> too silent. Generally, too the dead topics silence. I've blocked before <laughs> are because they're a rabid actual Nazi, a rabid pro-Putin Nazi, or uh, a racist or something like that. I don't block people just because I disagree. I know you don't. I'm Apart just, from yeah. one asshole this week who told me that my business was a horse-drawn carriage. I blocked him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean that that ex- that's like five years of putting up. Yeah, with and shit that like ex- that, that exchange that exchange anymore. was a perfect example of the kind of of nonsense that we're talking about. Right. Uh, by his own admission, too long didn't read, but here let me refute it with my expertise. Exactly. Like yeah, you didn't even yeah, yeah. you didn't read it. Yeah, like that dude just totally came at you, and it was like, what the fuck are you even talking about, dude? And it makes you wonder. Here's another, I mean, I'm, you know. Well, see, this is a Facebook thing, though. There's history there. He's been sniping at me like that for years. uh, Yeah. And we used to be friends, and I unfriended him because of it. And I I don't know what it is. I'm not going to say it's him. You know, it could just be that for some reason I irritate him. But he likes coming back to the pool and having another little sip of shit on Chris. And I just, I got fed up (laughs) giving him sips, basically. So, uh Brooklyn. Well, I yeah, I mean that you know I have a long memory and I see a lot of patterns, and you're not wrong about the pattern there. I've seen it, you know. I don't. It's even been directed at me a couple of times, so I don't think you were wrong. But but I guarantee you. Oh, you've got actual stalkers though. My, 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 yeah, my, my but the thing you know, but the thing is, I guarantee <laughs> you that that 
you know, especially if he hears this, that guy's going to be like, yeah, I was right. You know, everybody, oh, yeah, cool. everybody is right. so yeah. convinced that they're absolutely right. And it makes me wonder if social media is, is making it really, really much harder for us to see the bigger picture. So it actually confirms what you were saying, because the reason he thinks he's right, I'm certain of this, is because he's certain I'm an ass. Uh, he's con- so it doesn't really right. He's convinced. I'm, I'm being he's an convinced because he's already right. made. He's that. convinced that yeah. the quality of your thinking is suspect. That the quality of my person is suspect, as right. That that follows right. If the quality of your yeah, thinking yeah. is suspect, then you are probably a terrible person. That's what we're you know. That's what we're doing. And, 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 and we all have been guilty. I mean, come on, if you're honest about it, we've all been guilty of it. All of us have been guilty of it. That being said, occasionally I go back and give people a second chance where I've really mm-hmm. fallen out with someone. I thought, you know, maybe I was the asshole. Mm-hmm. So I go back and I like, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And about one in 10 of them proved me wrong. Yep. The other nine, like, no, no, yeah. you were right. It's a, it's a very, it's a <laughs> well, very a, low, a very low percentage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we call it bartender's instincts. Like if somebody walks in the door and the first thing you think is, fuck, then yeah, I yeah, mean, you, you just, yeah. you can tell you're the never going to be, you're never wrong. <laughs> like you're just not like. They're an asshole man. Yeah. No time to I talk. mean, if you're, if all of your instincts, if bells and whistles start going off when somebody walks in the door, like. There's never been a time when that happened and you were wrong. You were like, "Oh yeah. no, I'm I'm wrong. This is Mother Teresa," you know. And, and then and, you know, and then yeah. somebody is going to say, "Well, maybe it's a self fulfilling prophecy," and then you start to question your own reality because, you know, we all should check ourselves occasionally. You know, am I actually the asshole? If I'm, I mean, you know, am, what they I, say. am I wearing sunglasses inside at night? No, exactly. I mean, because you know what they say: if you meet an asshole in the morning, you meet you, you met an asshole. If you met if you meet assholes all day, you're the asshole. So, <laughs> I mean, so I, I, it, it, it's crazy making though, because I think we all agree that there's just some stuff that you can see pretty objectively and pretty clearly, and it adds up to a certain thing. But then there's always that. Yeah, well, I mean, like Chris, you know, you you came and asked, "Am I? Is this me, or is this guy being a turd?" Yeah, I asked a couple other people as well. And well, you know, friends were always going to take your side. Yeah, that. and you don't want that. You don't want an echo. Well, no, you two will be honest, actually, and I know the other people. And, and you don't honest, want so an. That's why I asked right. several and, people. And and, yeah. and and you, you know, and and you're probably one of the few people who would actually do that. And and that's a major problem is that we're losing our ability to be introspective and doubtful about our own approach well going back to your aphorism i meet a lot of assholes so (laughs) i think periodically maybe it's me maybe i should check this yeah i mean to tie this back together with with scale modeling and what we've been up to like so my irritation with the, the hobby online has been drastically increasing as my doldrums uh, uh, around mm-hmm. Christmas after Christmas, New Year's have been increasing. So again, like it, it, is the hobby super irritating or am I just picking at the scab? Like, am I, am I making it uh, irritating to me or they're like, am I being unreasonable or not? And there, you know, there's a couple of places where, yeah, I probably am just being like crotchety. Um, 
and those things will probably pass. But at the same time, I'm I'm kind of where Chris was the other day. It's just like, all right, I need to get out of here. Like, well, it's like I told you guys. I know I have a bad attitude right now, but I'm not sure how much of it's personal, how much of it is is creative. You know, with respect to to model making, and and how much of it is is the atmosphere. You know, but but there have been a couple of days. I mean, I, I <laughs> like. Like I felt bad because um, you guys all saw, I think, I think, well, maybe, you know, Chris, you saw some of it. Anyway, you guys know Shuichi Hayashi. His work is phenomenal. The dude is, is absolutely brilliant. And he favors a high saturation, high contrast painting style. And he'd been posting pictures of his 132nd scale F16 and, and lots of weathering and brilliantly executed. But he had this parade of dipshits. Well, just, you know, like, we just march right in there. You know, nobody ever heard of you, bro, but you're just marching right over there onto Shuichi's page and telling him it's over-weathered, mate. And I admit, I went into full-on bottle-breaking and table-flipping mode, and he banned me from his page. And you know what? I don't blame him, because I was... I was polluting the water. I was well, just that, using it. I was just using it as a threat. Yeah, I, I mean, I was. I, You've always got to be careful of white knighting, of, of going in and saying, this is my argument now, and I'm going to like fight all. I, yeah. And I, know, yeah. And I wasn't page. even so much as, I wasn't <laughs> even so much as trying to defend him. He didn't need me to do that. He's perfectly, you know, he, mm. he, he told everybody, he was like, if you don't like it, guess what? I don't care. Yeah. And I loved that. Yeah, absolutely. That was one of the, the highlights of the internet over the last few weeks was, <laughs> right. was some guy just like running this model down and he, he, he got him with a three word response. I don't care. I don't care. I don't and care. And I loved it. And I was like, and, and, bravo, yep. bravo, dude. Yep. Yep. I don't care. And also it, like, are all these people that are like coming and shitting all over his work? Do they follow his page? Like, why are they there? Exactly. Why exactly. are you there if you don't like heavily weathered models? That's all he does. And he does it to a world-class standard. Like, better than most of the people that we know. He, like, he, he could be top of the pile, you know? Yeah. And and you're like, I don't know, man. I never saw an aircraft like that in all my 21 years in the Air Force. Right. Now, and here's the thing. So I was, you know, I was using it. I, I, I will not even try to deny i was using it as an outlet but what if that well it's one of your triggers as well isn't it whether it's on aircraft sure, and people sure but, it, well, but the, it, it's but the it, absolutism right it's like it's this, the absolutism never it's happens. not even yeah. it's not even the weathering itself you guys know that yeah. i mean look i'm i'm all for a super clean well-built well-painted model it's sure just don't tell me that a weathered aircraft never happened right when there's that's, the internet is that's, full of fucking pictures of it that's what tr- it's not even that that bothers me. It's the sheer hubris of thinking you can go and tell someone else. Yeah, exactly. That doing it wrong. Hubris, arrogance, whatever you want it, to call it. Who made you the fucking king of exactly? Painting? It's king it's the, condes- what the right condescension, the presumption. Because yeah. I view it, and this is just me and and my fucked up lens. I view that as a form of bullying. I view that as a form of dick swinging and trying to establish your dominance as the silverback. And I'm immediately like, really? Okay. Let's see what you got, bro. But, but think about this. Okay. 
that guy that Tracy referenced, what if you went to his house and you found out that he is the sweetest guy and he just donated a kidney to his best friend? He pays all his bills on time. He's debt free. He's on the PTA. He's on the school board. He's well respected in his community because he's an upstanding guy that everybody can rely on. But he has this one thing. And we've decided that he's a piece of shit. And that's what the internet's doing to all of us. It's terrible. I tend to, uh, I tend to see it as someone's acting the dick. I don't, I don't think it necessarily means they're a dick. I have to see maybe, a pattern of it. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. Because everyone can be a, anyone that thinks they're not a prick sometimes uh, well, yeah, is, is yeah. lying to themselves. Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm 100% capable of being the biggest dickhead you know. No problem. But what the yeah. internet does, like that that thread in particular, I kept going back to that thread, not for, yeah, I'm not going to say I didn't go back to see everybody pile on this guy, but just some of the responses from some of our friends was fucking amazing. Like one it guy, was fun. I mean, that one guy was like, I've been in the Air Force Navy for 30 years and I've never seen that. And Dukes is like, were you blindfolded the whole time? <laughs> and I think that was actually that was actually a different thread than the one we're talking about. The one you're talking about is it was over on the IPMS yeah. page, and it yeah. was hilarious. It was hilarity They're all as the well, same, right? They're all the same. And, and, and I think you were like, well, it's hard to see the weathering on aircraft when you're in the Hulk, you know, peeling potatoes. <laughs> yeah, I started playing. You know, for me, it's like a game. Like, how far can I go before? Before I get before I get snapped by the moderator or, or and here's the thing, Facebook, their their AI is getting better at figuring this shit out yeah. because I got put on a 24 hour group like you can't use groups for 24 hours because you're an asshole <laughs> and it was clearly you were like yeah AI. fair enough and I looked at what I said and I was like you know that the AI is getting a little smarter like you don't just have to straight up tell somebody they're a piece of shit in order for it to catch you yeah and and it's and it's it's you know and that's the other part of the frustration is that it's getting better at that catching us for saying that sort of thing but we all know the kind of stuff that just goes right by anyway so I don't think, for me, I don't have a problem with modelling. I have a problem with modelling social media mm. at times. And I just have to keep reminding myself that you don't actually need it to do the hobby, which is ironic because podcasting yeah. is a form mm. of social media. And here we are making a podcast. But, <laughs> About um, social media. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Mm, meta loops. Uh, so taking a break from Facebook was really healthy for my modelling. It was getting to the point where I didn't want to do modelling. And when I took a break and sat down and painted a figure, I felt so much better. It's I, it's certainly not affected my desire to do modeling. It's affected my desire to to socialize on the internet with other modelers. Well, yeah. not even that. It just like mm -hmm. I don't I don't like observing the way other modelers socialize. And that's really what's kind of part of what Facebook is, is like whether if you're contributing through what you're posting or conversations that are going on in different pages or whatever, then that's different. But for the most part, all we're doing is observing 
other modelers and whoever else is on our Facebook. We're observing what they're doing, what they're up to, and then we get to see them interact with other people. And that's the part where I'm like, Ugh, gross. Like, this is, uh, this is not, yeah, some of it's like, you know, to use the, the term that the kids use, it's super cringe, man. A lot, a lot of eye rolling, and I'm just like, oh my God, I'm done with this, man. The sycophantic, like, there's a lot of fawning and sycophantic yeah. stuff, and it's just like, uh-uh. No, man, that's that's not, gotcha. that's not motivating me. You know, it, it's not improving my outlook on the hobby or improving the way I do the hobby. It's it's kind of the opposite. I have to say as well, we're talking about negativity on, on social media. The When it's excessive positivity and excessive kind of forced, you know, let's be positive, that switches me right off as well. I can't take that either. I need a certain amount of shit on my modeling social media to keep it balanced. Well, nothing, yeah, nothing candy coated works for most people, you know. But we all have our, we all have our threshold and and our and our need, and you know, like I've had to, I've had to recognize the truth is that, like for me, I need a certain amount of combat in my life, and I'm not sure that I'm really processing that in a healthy way, honestly. Well, okay, that's an interesting way of looking at it and a different spin on things, but. <laughs> if you're, you're like i had no idea have you you're like drugs? i had no idea you were so fucked up patterson no i'm just like so, <laughs> I, tried I, so like, <laughs> maybe maybe this guy who's like the fucking nicest guy you ever met donated a kidney to his best friend a just a mensch you know a, a, a fucking a titan of the community yeah. maybe he's so fucking nice because the only place he lets it out is on the fucking internet could be and that, is that wrong or right? Like, is, is that, you know, like if, if instead of yelling at your coworkers or yelling at your fucking family, like you're yelling at some stranger on the internet, like then on the surface, that's like, hey, that seems good. That seems healthy. And then you're like, mm, I don't know if and, that is. And, and here's the thing. I'm glad you, I'm glad you said this because that's part of how I've, I've rationalized it. You know, it's an outlet and there's some small chance that as quixotic as it is, maybe I'm doing some larger good because there's some guy over here reading the comment thread that's learning something. Right. right? And so maybe that's serves the greater good. And that's our fig leaf, though, to feel all right. Oh, it's about so it, really. exactly. That's what I'm getting to is if fig leaf <laughs> is the exact, you know. And, and I tell myself, okay, this is this is this is this is a good way for me to take care. It's better than, you know, displaying it right here in person. But here's the problem: is that somebody in my house hears me. You have no idea what you're talking about. That's <laughs> not a lacquer paint. And they're like, "Bro, you're so angry." And I'm like, "I'm not angry. I'm defending the rightness of the unit." You know, and in my mind, and I'm like, yeah. well, "Fuck, maybe, maybe I am. Maybe I am." Maybe I need to look at that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, that was the other thing I find with arguing with people on the internet. Sometimes I, I come away from it and feel, I could feel myself, feel the blood rising. And I thought, really? Over talking about models on the internet? Yeah. Get a grip. And that's, you know? that was kind of what started me down this sort of, you know, introspection, introspection, because, 
Normally, it doesn't. The needle never twitches. People may think a certain thing because of the way my responses come out, but then the honestly, the needle never twitches. If anything, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm just lulls. But lately, I've been legit pissed, and that's not good. Yeah, and I'm just looking outside at this fucking atrocious weather and like thinking to myself, like, maybe I'm not getting out enough. Like maybe I'm not getting enough fucking like exercise and like just trapped in the house being, uh, you know, if you're, if you're sitting at the bench by choice, that's different from like not being able to go outside because it's bucketing down rain. And eventually you're just like, Oh, you've got seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which you know, it could be put to good use. Um, this place could be organized a little better. I, I spent literally, I spent an hour, no, no word of a lie, a full hour in this room yesterday looking for a shoebox size container, Tupperware container, full of groundwork supplies. Like not a little thing to lose in one room. And I spent an hour and I was so pissed off because I thought to myself, that stuff wasn't cheap. The shipping's not cheap. Like, if I have to replace all that because I had set it aside and put it in a special container because I needed it for both of these dioramas. And all of a sudden I was faced Mm. with the idea of like, am I about to have to fucking buy all this stuff over again just to finish these two projects? Because I can't find them in a... One room hobby room. I like it when we do real talk. Real talk. (laughs) You know, technique's one thing, but talking about like stuff like how stressful that it can be. Well, I think we, I think we all agree that, you know, there's no shortage of talking about technique, but, uh, you know, this is real shit. This is real shit. And, uh, you know, now that we've all agreed that we are, mutually pissed off and bored and depressed and just, you know, have a bad attitude. What's next? Where do we go from here? Uh, I, I, <laughs> I didn't quite finish talking about my business. Cause no, I you didn't. About that. Cause you just posted yeah. a picture of your, uh, your Putin yeah, that yeah, you're working yeah. on and you didn't talk about Tom mm. Waits or. Yeah. We, well, I'm not going to sure? talk about Putin. Um, your journey into we 3D. About, yeah, we didn't even talk about you yet about your journey into Fusion 360. Stop. Well, to finish the business, I am going to continue selling Tetra, uh, and uh, Inside the Armor is going to continue, and I'll come back to that in a minute. But all books at the moment are fifty percent off if you go to InsideTheArmor.com and enter the code End of ITA. So E N D. O-F-I-T-A, you get 50% off any book and all books in your order. So please do go along and help me clear my storage unit. Um, the new book uh, isn't on there. Uh, it is going to be published. I can't say by who. Uh, so anyway, all books 50% off. So what am I doing next? I'm going to do 3D like every other fucker in the universe. So I started learning Fusion uh, on the 16th of December. 
and uh, I've pretty much taught myself all of it now. I am a fusion expert. <laughs> 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 to be honest, I did two weeks ago. I've just been fannying about. No, I haven't. I haven't. There's lots yeah. of things I'm still really struggling with, but I was incredibly surprised at how quick it is to pick it up. And talking to David Parker, I think the reason is because I scratch build. Because basically what I've been doing is the same thing in fusion that I do with shapes and scratch building and adding and subtracting, basically. Lofting is something I'm still getting used to, but um, in terms of forming shapes and everything, it's just like scratch building, but with control Z. Yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. Actually, even better than control Z, because we'll all know this, you get the parametric history at the bottom. And if 20 steps on, you don't like something, you can go back, find it, edit it in the history, and it will up, as long as it doesn't cause conflicts, it'll mm. update all the way through. <laughs> yeah. the, as so long as it doesn't... It's not like Control Z and having to redo things after. Yeah, it's like a time machine. One thing. It's yeah. like a time... But that thing you said, as long as it doesn't cause conflicts, that there is... Oh, yeah. As as so I know my, you're, so as my I know histories you're have learning, a lot of yellowing. Yeah, as I know you're, as I know you're learning... That is uh, that is the crux of parametric CAD modeling, and uh, yeah, so it's been fun to watch you, you know, put put this stuff out there, and and, and you know, people have asked me, you know, so so how's this going to go on the next podcast? Because I, I know for a long time you were resistant, and I totally understood it, but honestly, I'm just stoked to see that you are doing so well and that this is a potential, you know, avenue for you to reformulate I, your, your sort of business enterprise. I can't say too much about it because I haven't decided what form it will take yet because the problem with CAD is you can do anything. So what I don't want <laughs> is a catalog of stuff you can buy off me, which is two 135th yeah. tank bits, one for a French tank, one for a Japanese tank, and then a 1700 ship, and then a 124th aeroplane, and then some widgets for a... You need to pick a category and focus on it first and then expand out from that because people, if they're going to come to you, like with HD models and their fantastic 3D Sherman bits, Sherman bits go to HD models. You know, you don't want to pick one bit from this company and one bit from that company and one bit from this company. Like I originally did, there's a real danger what I'll do is do a load of Churchill stuff because that's how I fucking started. <laughs> I know <laughs> Churchill's. But in 3D this time instead of uh, in resin. But And I haven't decided how much of it. I, I think there's probably going to be a mix. I'll sell a mix of STLs and printed stuff. So that, you know, for people that don't have printers or for people that don't want to fanny about with it. The biggest problem I've got at the moment is I have a small house and nowhere to put a printer. Mm. We have a small garden, but if you have a shed, it gets, well, A, I can't temperature control it, which I believe is an issue with, with certainly and B, yeah, point, anything yeah. you put in an outdoors building in this neighborhood gets stolen. Cause we get a lot of yeah. shed burglaries and stuff like that. Cause it's not a particularly good neighborhood. So, well, uh, yeah. but I, I'm a, I'm a little skeptical because surely somewhere in your in your workshop or somewhere you've got a a space that is let's say uh one foot square and you know a couple of feet tall because how far do you want it from where you sleep though i mean i run i like to print at night you know people are like oh, this yeah. print's gonna take so long. i'm like why do you give a fuck you're gonna drop print in your sleep I'm not going to sit there and watch it, you know? So it doesn't, 
and 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 you know you'll hear different things about the smell and you'll you know get guys who are like it's so toxic it's going to make you grow a third eye in your forehead well i have read read this toxic fumes and stuff before, it's not, not, it, not it's, wildly it, toxic but mildly it's not toxic. it's nonsense Put it like this my bench is 12 feet from my bedroom yeah it's it's dude my I mean, you know, you can see me. You know that I'm sitting just inside my bedroom door at my desk. And my 3D printer is literally four feet to my right on the other side of the wall right next to the open door. And when I'm running it, not only can I not smell it at all, Mm. literally not at all. And I don't exactly have an insensitive nose, but I mostly don't even hear it. You know, a, a resin printer has that characteristic. Yes. You may remember when we were interviewing Matt and Jake, one of them had their printer running <laughs> in the background. <laughs> Although here's the interesting yeah. thing. We could hear it, but you couldn't hear it on the recording. I yeah. Yeah. I mostly don't hear mine. Like I have to actually go and like get close enough to it and look at it. Is my printer still running? Did it finish the print? So I, I really, I mean, if, if obnoxiousness is, is, is a concern, I don't think you should let it be. Um, and, and you don't need a big printer. Because cost isn't. I mean, you know, I mean, 500 yeah, pounds, you can get yeah, a decent printer these they, days. Oh, you can get print a, whatever you, I need. You can get yeah. a great printer. Great printer. Honestly. Well, it's probably like uh, Brother, isn't it? They kill you on the consumables. It's the, it's the uh, replacement parts and the no, resin that's going to... No, no. Skin. I mean, it, it, it's not even that big of a deal because like with mono screens now, you're supposed to get like 2,000 hours out of them. And I mean, come on. You're, you're, you'd need to be Tom... You'd need to be Tom Anish if you're going to run up against that, that kind of a limit. Honestly, the bigger concern for me was the space needed to do post-processing. Because you you need to be able to take your parts out of the printer and let them drain the uncured resin off, and then you need to be able to carry. You, you need to have a, 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 a some way of washing the rest of it off and then curing it. And like I have a I have a neat little system that's set up. I take it out of the machine. I have a Tupperware container with one of those wire soap soap holders you know, like from your bathroom. Yeah. And I take the whole build plate and I set it right there on the little wire soap holder and I let it drain for a little while. And when I'm satisfied that it's not going to drip on the floor, I pick it up and I just move three feet over to the right. And I put the, the wash and cure bucket on the wash and cure thing, which is another square foot of space. Yeah. And, and okay, to be fair, I have two of them because your first wash okay. I have literally one square foot of space. Okay, well then use that for so the printer. So I can either print or you, wash. No, use that <laughs> for the you, use that for the printer because the point I was trying to get to is that you don't you, you can take the thing out of the printer hmm. and literally go anywhere else to wash it. Wherever you can, you know, find the place in your house to have a bucket with some IPA in it and a like you know some guys use like those you know what a pickle bucket is? I'm sure Tracy does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a you know it's a plastic container that you mm. put pickles in the fridge or cucumbers right. with vinegar. It's got a little like rack that you pick up and down. You can, a lot of guys use one of those to wash their parts off. You don't have to get fancy with the post post processing, and then it's back to your workbench. Like I take my because I think the hold up for business wise isn't. I thought it would be learning fusion. It isn't. It's no. being able to print because 
even if I paid someone to do all my prints, it's just not workable to pay someone to do a test print to check it works and then go back and keep mm. it back and back. No, and back and you really need to be you able need, to do I need it, to be able yeah. to print my own test prints. Yeah. Yeah. Even if I'm selling STLs, I wouldn't sell anything yep. I hadn't printed. Absolutely. Print. Yeah, absolutely. So, that's that's the um, the bottleneck that I need to solve. I'm it, sure it, I can solve yeah, it. Yeah, it it, it really is for for tiny little parts. It really doesn't have to take up much room. Like after I get my build, I, I you know some people think this is heresy, but I leave my stuff stuck to the build plate, clear through the curing stage. Right. Like I put the entire thing in the wash and cure, and I put the entire thing in the curing thing, and then I. You know, I take that little chunk of aluminum with the parts that are stuck to it over to my workbench. And at that point, it's just like working on anything else at my workbench. So it really doesn't have to, you know, occupy a huge amount of room. But um, also there's the possibility that I might not do much of it as a business because I'm already getting lots of offers to do design for other people. And I've already sold two designs. So and if I can make enough money just designing for other yeah, people, I'll do that. Absolutely. So <laughs> how's your, how's your foray? How's, how's your, how do you, how are you feeling about fusion 360 at this point? It's great, but my objection to it was never that I didn't want to do it. My objection to it was I didn't have time to do it because I was trying to get the books to work. And now that doesn't work. I suddenly have a lot more. And also, cause I haven't been doing a podcast editing for six weeks. There's that too. I have a lot more time basically. And the good thing about fusion, when I was working on books, a lot of the time I'd be needing to be at the bench to make something to turn into a book and stuff. Mm -hmm. I could take the computer anywhere. If I get five minutes, I can open the laptop and do some fusion. And it's, well, actually that, that doesn't work because you know, five minutes in fusion time is about an hour. It has a way of, of turning into that. It is the biggest tool of mass distraction I've ever seen in my fucking life <laughs> because I've started at least 10 designs in the last two days because, you know, you're halfway through doing a shit party thing. Oh, I'll just do this thing. And it's, it's like having a room full of kits, as many kits as you want, and just uh-huh. constantly fucking taking boxes, lids off and sticking bits together. It's just, it's terrible. You have to have so much discipline to not just waste away time on it yeah and you're kind of still and don't take this the wrong way you're you're kind of still close to the surface level you, i mean you've gotten deeper oh yeah no totally at the surface level you but I'm you've got you, about in the puddle but you've got you've gotten deeper faster than than a lot of people do for sure and i always do baby <laughs> <laughs> you can send me the check for that one later but but i mean look honestly look i, I okay confession time all right when you finally announced that you were going to do this, I was like, oh, 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 sweet. I get to help my friend Chris. And then you totally blew me off. And I was a little butthurt. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I, I didn't. Him. He doesn't need my help. I said, I'll just and, play with it for a couple of weeks. And, and then, then, like, and then you when I had questions. And then you started cranking out a bunch of cool shit. I was like, wow, he really does not need my help. Because here's the thing, okay? There's, there's, there's being able to make shapes. And that's really all you have to do for what you're trying to do, right? As long as you get a shape that looks about right and it converts successfully to an STL file and somebody pays you for it, you're you're good, right? You're good. And as long as the amount of time that you're spending relative to the amount of money you're making for those commission design jobs is satisfying you, you're good, right? But then there's this whole other level of stupidity that 
me and you know some of these guys that you know go to where fusion becomes a thing unto itself it's it's our version of scratch building where it becomes about the technique and you know, the elegance of the design, <laughs> which sounds totally pretentious, but it's a thing. And I just had to stop myself and go, you know what? Not everybody wants to go to that place. And yeah, but we talked about this and I told yeah. you I did. Yeah. Well, you know, and if you do, you do. But my point here with this little confession is that this was also part of me doing some self introspection over the last few weeks of like, mm. what is wrong with me? And, you know, I just had to like be, you know what, let Chris do his thing. You don't have to help everybody. It was more I didn't want to waste your time with stuff like, how do I draw a fucking circle? (laughs) Stuff that I could easily (laughs) learn off YouTube. What I was going to do was learn the basics and come back to you when I had like, look, there's this really difficult thing I need to do. And, you know, I don't want to spend hours finding the right YouTube. Half of them haven't even got sound on. And you're like, fucking, why am I watching a video of some guy clicking? Yeah. You know, tell me what you're doing. And, and I thought, you know, when I, in fact, I was going to come to you soon about lofting because I'm having trouble with ship holes and stuff like that. Um, but I think I've worked it out. <laughs> <laughs> See? Yeah. It's all in the guide rails. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. but actually, no, I still haven't. I mean, I have, but I haven't. I got a feeling I've worked it out, but not right, if you know what I mean. I found a way of, a junkyard way of doing it when I could be doing it as a proper design, if you see what I mean. Well, and the thing is, is, is that the junkyard way of doing it, you know, gets you where you need to be. And that's, then that, again, that's just fine. As long, you know, if you're, if you're It cool doesn't though, it. cause it's not good enough. Do you know what I mean? It works, yeah. but it's not good enough. So. Yeah. Where it, where it starts to become an issue is when the time and money thing is not matching up. Mm. Because there is a point where your skills will make you faster and more efficient. And somebody will come to you and they'll go, you know what? I need this boat and I only have a budget of a thousand bucks. And you're like, hmm, okay, well, if I want to make X number of dollars per hour, that's the number of hours is going to take me. You know, you can quickly find yourself way on the wrong side of that deal. Trust me, I know from experience. Yeah, but we all know that from commissions, right? Because yeah. what people are generally willing to pay you to build a model has mm. fuck all connection at all to how long right. it takes to build a model. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So, but they you get my want a diecast, you know? right? Yeah, but you get my point, right? There's, there, there's, there. You know, if you're, if you, if your, if your skills are at a certain level, you are more likely to be able to, to, you know, make, you know, make good money without wanting to throw yourself out a window or sacrifice time with your family or, you know, Mm. whatever. That's all I'm saying. It fits my lifestyle well as well because of, you know, my wife's Mm. issues and and having a a teenage son and stuff. It means fusion is very flexible. Yeah. You can work on any time. I mean, Hey, look, Fanch designs amazing shit while he's landing, you know, Emirates 787 heavies. I think <laughs> he would really, probably like to point out. We he tease him. He does it on his brakes. <laughs> right. We tease him. We tease him about that, but he doesn't actually do that. We don't think. Well, that's because the computer actually does it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that's what I've been doing. So there we go. But also a long time ago, I bought uh, a bus. When I um, proofread part of the AK Kirill book, he had a piece in there um, called Nick, which looked a bit like it's a costume Tom Waits, basically, and James Hetfield. 
And um, to me, it looked more like Tom Waits. Other people see James Hetfield in it. Uh, and I'm a massive Tom Waits fan in all respects. Firstly, I love Tom Waits and also I'm massive. So, <laughs> you know, in both regards, I'm a massive Tom Waits fan. So I tried to get one and it wasn't available because he'd made it for a um, for a workshop he was doing. But then later Nordley's Miniatures released it and I bought it and I sat on it. Not literally, but I, I put it away because... I didn't feel like my painting skills were ready for it yet. And it's one of those, generally I'm not like that. Generally I think people go, I'm not ready for it yet. Just fucking do it. If you don't like it, strip it, do it again. But that one I wanted to save for when I felt like I could do it pretty well. So I did. And then around Christmas, I thought, you know what? I think I can do it. So I did it and it came out much better than I expected. Not great, not perfect, but Uh, one of the few things I was happy with when I was finished, it could be better, but then all models could be, you know, I, I mean, I don't know that. I, I, it's pretty damn good, dude. Like, it's easily the best thing I've ever painted. Yeah. Which I mean, I think you should be allowed to to say that you feel like that came out great. Oh, it did, but it could be better. But that's that's my thing, you know. I'm never satisfied, and that's why I keep doing this hobby. If I was satisfied, I'd stop. Doing and the Mona Lisa could smile more too. What do you want? <laughs> well, what what but okay well then what do you think could be better like what would you do well the blending particularly yeah. uh, i'm pretty like this i'm 90 percent satisfied with it which is a high level for me usually a lot of my models come out 50 percent at best but i just but essentially they say like uh with art that um nothing's ever finished it's abandoned and it's it, the did, same for me with models i never really finish a model I, I just get to the point where I just think that's as good as I can do it now, or I just don't fucking care anymore. Yeah, <laughs> you, you did. You off. did that. You did that bust with acrylics, right? Yeah, I always paint with acrylics figures. Yeah. yeah, and look, I don't know. Maybe it's the sculpt. I don't know, but I didn't look at it and go, "Oh, blending." I I think it works. I, I you know I told you I thought it had a kind of an impressionistic feel to it to me, and you know that's me probably using the term incorrectly. But I just, I don't know, man. I just thought it really worked. And whatever the combination is, you know, you, you, you pulled it off. It worked for me. Just not, I felt I'd like to be a little bit better at it. But, you know. Well, we'd all like to be better at you blending get acrylics. It's by doing a lot more of it. So, you know. Oh, you for can't... fuck's sake. Shut <laughs> up. How can two I think that's little a... animals make so much noise? Sorry, 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 we were going on. We were we were going and on and on. But I think that's our cue. I think that's our cue to wrap this thing up. Yeah. Oh, these guys are All right. So I hope you've uh, not been too bored listening to this. Thank you for, for um listening to us uh wank on. Get this off our chest. Yeah. I've really enjoyed it. I yeah. think you know, we and, needed an episode like this. Yeah, and we're you know, we'll get back to the regular form regularly scheduled programs. Maybe mm. when we do, Probably. you know, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. What episode is this? What are we on? What number is this going to be? Three, maybe. I barely listened to them, so I don't, I can't remember. So nice that all the work I put into making them and you don't even fucking listen to you them. You know, He's look, here for as, him, as, 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 55, as, as Bruce, not counting specials, 55. As Bruce Springsteen said, I'm just tired and bored with myself, guys. As Yoko Ono and, says, <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that 
put a fucking bow on that. <laughs>